Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I'm your co-host, Aubrey Sampson. And I'm also a co-host, Davey Blackburn. It's so good. Aubrey, it's so fun to have you like hosting this with me. Thank you. Like it is so fun host. to be hosting it. Yeah. That felt really fun. You know, just let's peel back the curtain. Like that felt really fun to say, yes. hey, everybody, welcome to the Nothing it's is Wasted podcast. a lot of fun. I, I love the new graphic that we have up for the podcast. Me and you I doing do this. Too. This is fun. It's it's so much more fun to do I took a little screenshot of the new graphic today because <laughs> I got so excited about it. It's officially on line. It's that, official. No, it's so fun. It's so fun. Well, we're glad to be back with you guys, listeners, and mm-hmm. we're glad to be um, continuing this parenting series. This is actually the last episode in the parenting series, and we're doing this, or we have done this series for several reasons. Um, one, you asked for it. Uh, we, right? This is one of those things in the survey that we you did at the end of the feedback. year. Yep. That's right. You said you wanted to learn more about parenting and hear stories uh, that that surrounded the topic of parenting. And so we had already earmarked that as something that we wanted to do as well, because mm-hmm. guess what? I'm a parent. Aubrey, you're a parent. There's so many of you who are listening to this who are parents. If you're not a parent, you have parents. You have parents. And yep. there are parents in your life. And it's just a, it's a massive season that brings about a lot of joy, but can also bring about a lot of heartache and difficulty. And so yep. we want to help you and equip you as much as possible in that season. And we are closing out the series uh, with a special guest, Amy Sylvester. And Aubrey, you really connected us with her. This is this has been yeah. really cool. Yeah. So Amy and I connected. I, I spoke at, at a ministry event and Amy was there and kind of confided in me about the loss of um, her son, who she's going to talk about yeah. in this interview. And uh, we just, I just really fell in love with her. She has such a, a heart for God. She has such a heart. She has such a nothing is wasted heart, she does, right? Yeah. Like she has walked through quite devast- quite devastating loss, yeah. but has seen God's faithfulness throughout. And so I thought she'd be perfect for this series. Amy yeah. is an author, a coach, a speaker. She's actually a bio mom, an adoptive mom, a heart mom, which we'll learn about more in this episode, and a mom of child loss, which yeah. uh, again is quite a, a painful part of her story, but something that God has used in really profound ways. Yeah, she carries uh, a lot of different hats within the motherhood realm. And so it's cool that she can speak from a lot of those different perspectives. And she's going to yeah. connect with a lot of you who are listening to this right now. Hey, if you like this episode, if you like any of our episodes, go and rate and review the podcast on Apple podcast. We love reading re- your reviews and it just ministers to us. It also encourages us when you give us a great rating and it helps these stories to get more exposure. So please go do that. Do us a big favor there and stick around afterwards. Cause Aubrey and I are going to talk a little bit about this episode after you listen to her interviewing Amy, Aubrey, you right. are doing I'm the interview interviewing this one. Amy. This is yep. great. So this is real. It's I can't now. wait to sit back and listen to your conversation with Amy. Let's go ahead and do that. Well, hi, Amy. Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I am so thrilled to have you here today. Thanks, Aubrey. I've been looking forward to this and spending some time with you and love Nothing is Wasted. So excited to be here. 
part of the reason that I'm so excited I want the listeners to know this is that you and I know each other. And so yes. I feel like I'm just out for coffee with the girlfriend that I've been meaning to go out with for a long time. So this is very yes. special for me to have you. And I know your story is a really powerful one. So I'm I'm really grateful for your time today. Um, hey, before we kind of dive into everything, would you take a minute just to tell the listeners where you're from, what you're up to, a little bit about your family, that kind of thing? Absolutely. So I'm from North Carolina, but my family, we've been living in Chicago since um, spring of 2016. My husband's name is Corey, and he is a helicopter pilot. And as of late, he has been the flying for the Chicago News. That's and cool. you are, yeah, it's a cool job. He gets to see all the craziness that is involved with the news. But, um, and we have four kids, Graham, um, Avery, Avery and Isabella. And then today we're also going to talk quite a bit about our son Hudson. Um, and I'm excited to be here and share with you guys a little bit about Hudson's story, but also just know that like two of our kids are bio kids. Two of our kids are for, through adoption and, um, Hudson, um, he um, had heart disease, which we're going to talk about today. So I'm a heart mom, an adoptive mom, I'm a bio mom. And then just a little bit about my background. I've worked for a couple different colleges and I worked for a couple nonprofits, including a church. I worked for Redeemer Presbyterian Church that was planted by Tim Keller. I worked there for quite a few years in New York City. Just a and, small church uh, that no one's heard just of. Just a small church. I know I so miss my days. <laughs> at Redeemer. I love being a mom. I love my life now, but I do miss that time in my life. And um, and then as of late, the last few years, I've been just doing like executive assistant type work and writing for a couple different pastors. So that's a little bit about my background. And you're catching our family right smack dab in the middle of a move from Chicago to my home state of North Carolina. So that's oh, where we wow. are right now. I don't think yeah. I knew you were moving, Amy. So we're going to miss yeah, you here in Chicago. I but. Know. Sounds like uh, you're juggling a lot. And so I know we're going to yeah. have a lot to learn from you. And I'm just so thrilled that you took some time to be here with us today. Um, Thank you. I, I know you are a fan of Nothing is Wasted. And you know yeah. that we are passionate about a few things. One of those being partnering with God to take back your story, especially stories of pain and hardship. And I know mm. You briefly kind of nodded to um, mm -hmm. some things with your son, Hudson. And so as much as you feel comfortable, I would love for you to go back to the beginning of your story and just share with mm -hmm. us kind of what has shaped you. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to put it because I really wanted to share just a, just the snippet of my faith journey because I, I came to faith, I would say, in college. All that my parents raised me in a Christian home, they're passionate about the Lord, they've like clung to Jesus in front of me my whole life and kind of set the stage. But I really came to faith through the influence of a ministry called Campus Outreach my freshman year of hmm. college through their leadership. And I share that because I was really um, had a strong foundation of knowing how to read my Bible and study scripture and um, walk closely with Jesus before um, kind of the story I'm going to share today happened. And I think that's important to share because of kind of the journey I've been on in my grief and loss. And so I just wanted to share a little snippet of, I had a lot of years of walking with Jesus and having people disciple me and pour into me mm, and then me be able yeah. to do the same for the next generation. Like my background is women's ministry and discipleship. And so um, I came into, I, I, if you would have asked me how I would handle something so profound as child loss, um, I would have told you I was prepared in some way because I knew Jesus mm. so well. Mm. But as you will see today, as we share, um, 
I don't know how prepared I was. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know how prepared for, anyone could be for that, right? Yes, yeah. But I thought I knew Jesus um, deeply, and I did. But um, you know, because I had that you know, people invested in me, and mm. um, I knew God's word. But through, well, maybe we'll just dive into the story, and you'll see why I'm sharing that I had this foundation. But then, what did I do with it? You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of Hudson's story, I guess we can just jump in with him. One, we named him for two reasons. We named him after Hudson Taylor, the missionary to China. Who Awesome. Um, yeah, lo- love his story and then um, and his influence and that's still lasting. And then also because I fell in love with his daddy, my husband, Corey, walking along the Hudson River in my New York days when I lived oh, in New York. Oh, I love that. that. That's so yeah. sweet. Yeah, so we very much love his name um, because of that. So um, when I Graham was a toddler, we got pregnant with Hudson. And honestly, I had already had a relatively normal pregnancy. And then Hudson came along and it was a relatively normal pregnancy. Morning sickness and fatigue and all the things like that. I didn't really things. notice all those really fun things um, <laughs> that I was completely unaware that anything was wrong until I went to... Um, the anatomy scan that you typically do around halfway through pregnancy. And I, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that I was, um, 18 weeks pregnant, um, when I went to my, um, anatomy scan and I, I was super naive. I I planned to go. It was just me. I had Corey was doing other things and, um, I was going to go to work after I was working full time for a college. And so I was going to do the appointment early morning and then go straight to work. Yeah. And little did I know it was a, kind of a marker in our life of a before and after. So I'm sitting mm-hmm. in the appointment and, um, the technicians doing all the things they do, checking everything. And I remember her saying all that's left is kidneys and heart, and then you can go. And, um, she was, you know, we were talkative. It was fine, but then she kind of grew a little quiet and she kind of left me there with my little pregnant belly out with uh, the gel and everything. And <laughs> mm. um, she comes back pretty quickly with the doctor and the doctor quickly tells me that they are only seeing two chambers of the heart mm. um, when there should be four. And right. I'm again, completely unaware of what it meant to be. This was my initiation into the heart world and becoming a heart mom. And mm. I had no clue like what any of that meant. And I really assumed it meant that I would lose the baby, that he, you know, he wasn't even viable for life, that I would probably yeah. miscarry or something like that. I was just, my mind was going in every direction. The tears came immediately. I'm walking out into the lobby with, you know, crying. Bless and, your heart. Um, wow. They quickly get me an appointment um, in Charlotte, which at the time we were living in North Carolina. So um, the, in, we were in a smaller town. So they sent me to Charlotte the next day to maternal fetal medicine. And this time Corey came with me. And they confirmed what I had already found on Google the night before through my tears, um, this big, long diagnosis called hypoplastic heart syndrome, which means that he only had two working chambers of the heart. And you can have the opposite side of the heart as well, hypoplastic right heart syndrome. Okay. And so through the diagnosis, we saw, you know, um, echo, you know a cardio- pediatric, pediatric cardiologist, echocardiograms, all of that. And conversations started... Um, swirling around that we should go to Philadelphia because Children's Hospital of Philadelphia is like world renowned for their heart program and for heart babies specifically. And, um, but I'm working full time at this college and I have a toddler and like, it just was like, how in the world can I just uproot my entire life and drop everything and move to a city I'd 
other than maybe the airport I had never been to, you know, and I knew one yeah. family there from my time working at Redeemer. They were wow. plant, planting a church in Philly. And other than that, I had no connections to the city. Mm-hmm. And um, so um, Corey actually was working a contracted job as a pilot. And so he had to go to Texas and I went to Philly for this thing, diagnosis or like more investigation. Wow. And my best friend, who is also married to my brother, my sister-in-law, her name is Crystal. She kind of dropped all of what she had going on and went with me for a very long day of diagnosis and MRIs and three-hour ultrasounds and just um, wow. investigation, basically, of Hudson's health. And um, they basically said, you've got to move here to save him. And you've got to be in wow. our care now. And so I went home for like two or three days grab stuff from work, plan to work remotely. And um, so I, that was, this is year 2015 is when all this was happening. Um, and Corey was still in Texas because, you know, we were still seven or eight weeks from delivery from the well, due date anyway. So we thought he'll okay. work as much of his contract as he can. And then when it's time, he'll come be there for delivery and all of that. But I had to have, um, or Hudson had to have a series of in utero procedures where they were taking fluid off of him and me, um, oh, wow. which ended up putting me into what caused my water to break. Oh no! And I was right at 34 weeks pregnant when that happened. So of course I'm freaking out. And at yes. this point, my sister-in-law had gone home and my mother-in-law had come to take care of Graham who is 16 months old at this point, 16 or 17 oh, months wow. old. And I couldn't lift him and I couldn't mm. care for him. I couldn't, I got to the point, heart palpitations and shallow breathing and all that, that I was really on full bed breast and I couldn't really walk even from couch to bathroom. So I certainly couldn't care for him. So wow. my mother-in-law comes to stay with us. And again, we're thinking we have a few weeks before delivery or at least, you know, a month or so. And, yeah. um, that didn't happen. So my water breaks. We have to go in to the hospital there in Philly. And, you know, we alert Corey to try to get to us. Um, but it's the middle of the night. And, um, you know, he's trying to figure out flights and everything else. And um, I'm telling the doctor, like, we've got to wait for Corey, you know, because they wanted to do an emergency cesarean because he's a very sick baby. Yeah. And um, and I wanted Corey to be there. And, you know, it's one of those moments, too, where you know, um, it was so hard because you know, this is where I shared about coming to faith and how you, you know, it's like, I, I wished I could tell you I was this Christian that all this scripture was just bubbling out of me. And I, yeah. um, I yeah. was just praying all these really beautiful prayers, but the reality was I was full of anger and I yes. felt so mad at God, um, that, yeah he would allow my son to go through this and in, in, yeah. in that me go through this and our family to go through this. I just wanted to mm. escape it all. And my anger, in my anger, I was pushing the Lord away. So here yeah. I'm in a city I don't know. <laughs> all I've seen is Amy. hospital walls. <laughs> my mother-in-law has come from New Hampshire to take care of Graham. Well, so I'm realizing she's going to have to stay with Graham and I'm going into a sterile hospital operating room alone. Mm. And my baby may die. Mm. My 34-week heart baby mm. may die right there. And they had told yeah. us, like, I remember talking to the cardiologist in Charlotte, and he said, looking at our toddler, Graham, saying, we have every hope that 
Hudson will be healthy after, you know, three heart surgeries and all these staged interventions that you guys will go on with care and medication and surgery and he will grow up. And, you know, we didn't have anticipation that he wouldn't make it. So, but then with all the fluid and everything and the emergency delivery, they told me, we don't know how this is going to go and and their way of saying it. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to meet and say goodbye to my son without my husband even being there. Um, he may not ever even meet Hudson alive, like all this stuff. And so um, when the contractions, yeah. So I did let my um, best friend Crystal know that I had gone into labor, at least um, the water had broken and the contractions were starting. And so that was in the night. She and another one of my very closest friends jumped on the red eye and came to Philly and it's still dark outside and they walk in the room. And of course, I'm like weeping because I didn't, now I didn't have to go into the delivery alone. Mm. Um, and Corey wow. all this time is trying to get to an airport to get to Philly. Um, and so they took care of Graham and my mother-in-law came into the cesarean with me. Wow. And, you know, Aubrey, this is a vulnerable thing for me to share. But I remember sitting in the bed and no one was with me. Um And then they walk in, you know, and I was relieved because it meant like I would have somebody with me in the delivery room that like could support me. And I didn't, wouldn't be in there with all the doctors, you know, alone. Yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't really praying. I I mean, and again, I can feel a little embarrassed about this, but at the same time, like this just was the raw pain, emotional pain that I was in. Like I was screaming to the point where it was like reverberating down the hallway and I was screaming, where is God, wow! where is God? Where is Mm. God? Like I can hear my own voice screaming Mm. it down this special delivery unit where everyone's having sick babies. Mm. And here's this woman, me, (laughs) who's been (laughs) in ministry and discipled women and quoted scripture and lived on God's word. And yet I was so mad at him that I hadn't Mm. spent, I hadn't really felt his, felt real presence in several months because I had pushed him away in my pain. Mm. And so here I am like needing him desperately and I'm screaming, where is God? Just like desperate. Yeah. And the doctor kind of comes in and they're offering for a photographer to be in the delivery and the chaplain to be in the delivery because they didn't know, like, would this be our only moment with him? Mm. And I'm just angry, you know, I'm just angry. So they finally take me back and my mother-in-law comes in and there's the hustle and bustle and there's doctors for me and doctors for Hudson and the surgeons and, you know, there's lung pe- lung doctors and heart doctors. It was like the, this scurry of people around. And my mother-in-law's this prayer warrior um, is in there with me. And here comes this light spirit coming in. And it was the anesthesiologist, this young doctor with a big smile on his face. And he kind of comes over and gets right in my face. And I'm on the table, you know, for the cesarean. And he's like, would you like us to play some music for you? And I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't done that for my previous cesarean with Graham. And um, immediately I'm thinking spa music or beach sounds, like what would be Right, what will soothe me right now? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I had in my office while I'm working at this college, um, I was had been listening to Hillsong's Cornerstone. Mm. Um, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I mm. dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. And I'm like... 
those are the words I need right now. And so he put on Hillsong and he played a song I was unfamiliar with, but right as Hudson was being born, Cornerstone came on and, oh, I'm going to (laughs) cry. You're making me cry, Amy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It, you know, right as he he was coming into this world through this, the weeping of his grandmother and his mom, we were singing Cornerstone over him. And um, it was the first song he ever heard. Mm. And so he was alive and um, they, he, I didn't hear it because of the hustle and bustle, but the nurse told me later he even cried a little bit, which they told me he probably wouldn't because of the oh, fluid wow. in his lungs. Right, yeah. right, right. They told me I wouldn't meet him. They prepared me for that, but that they would, as if they could stabilize him before going to the cardiac unit, they would bring him to my bedside. So that's what they did. They wow. um, brought him to my bedside and we got to meet him. And then Corey came later that day and got to meet him. And my parents came and um, basically it was like an onslaught of family came to meet him because we didn't know how he was going to do. If you like listening to the Nothing is Wasted podcast and want to hear more from our previous guests, we have an entire library of bonus episodes that you need to check out. This month, that bonus episode is with Vanitha Reisner, who was on episode 163 of the podcast. During her original episode, Vanitha shared vulnerably about the layers of pain she's endured in her life, including chronic illness, sexual betrayal, and more. Through it all, she's come into a deeper understanding of grace. So she came back for this bonus episode to unpack the concept of sustaining grace versus delivering grace. Here's a little preview of my conversation with Vanitha Reisner. Well, I first heard the topic from a friend of mine who we were co-teaching Bible study. And I walked into Bible study just so discouraged and just mm. really just feeling like, God, why are you not answering me? I My um, first husband had left. My kids were just so angry that day. And I remember walking into Bible study almost thinking, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't the co-leader. So I sit down and she starts talking about deliverance and talks about delivering grace and how we all pray for a Red Sea miracle, that we want God to part the Red Sea. And I thought, that's me. And was feeling a little like, as she was talking, like, why does God not do that for me? If you want to listen to this entire conversation or any of our other bonus content, or you just want to support our ministry with a monthly gift, head to nothingiswasted.com slash partners and sign up to make a recurring monthly tax-deductible donation of $20 a month or more. If you're hesitant about committing $20 a month, you can start a seven-day free trial to preview the bonus content we have under our partner program. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash partners. We stayed in Philly the whole time uh, because they were kind of the experts and he had one-on-one care and um, they got him stabilized and prepared. And at 10 days old, he had his first open heart surgery. Mm. Um, And, you know, it went well. And then he um, crashed and they had to do CPR and they had to put him on this um, 
it's a heart and lung machine called ECMO. It's life support. And he was on that for a number of days. And basically our whole journey with Hudson was up and down. We would have days, weeks where he would show improvement and we thought we were going to step down units and then we'd be going home with him. And we knew that he would probably be fragile unless God kind of came with this miraculous healing. We knew that he would be under lots of doctor's care. But then we also had weeks where we thought we were going to lose him. And so it was this entire journey was, um, lots of highs and lows, conference room conversations around like sitting around the conference room table saying, we're not sure what a next step is, or this is the next step for him. And me pulling doctors into the hallway and saying, tell me honestly, where do we stand yeah. with Hudson's yeah. care? And I remember the doctor telling me that we have every hope that he will come home with you. And mm-hmm. so I wanted honest, you know, opinions. So he had that first open heart surgery, and then they discovered he had some liver complications. So he had to have liver surgery, and wow. um, heart babies tend to have feeding issues, and so that was also on the table for him. And and then um, it came to a point, and the the surgeries that have been developed, um, I think the first ones were for the specifically for children who have half a heart. Um, they haven't been done for that long. Um, they started them in like, I think the early eighties. And so before that Hudson would have just been offered palliative care and like hospice care. Yeah. Um, but because they've developed these surgeries, there's hope, you know? So he, at, we, we knew at some point he would need to have the second surgery and we were hoping that he would qualify for that. And, um, he, it started to show like his body started his pressures and oxygen and everything sort of showing that it was time to start considering that second open heart surgery, but he wasn't growing at the rate they wanted him to. And so mm. it was, it was hard because, um, you know, we knew we had to move forward with the surgery. Um, yeah. and at the same time, it was so scary, you know, yeah. to, to be in that space. And, um, after that surgery, um, it was kind of an inexplicable, we we're not really sure what happened. He did well during surgery and then did well for about a week or so, but then his oxygen saturation started kind of dropping and kind of sitting mm-hmm. at a lower level. And then it would drop again and sit there. Mm-hmm. And again, it was kind of inexplicable. They weren't sure. And they didn't really know a way out of it. And so, it really became clear that um, his time was going to be limited. Mm. And so even though, you know, even still right now, I, we are fr- still friends with some of the families who are there with them and their kids are home. And, um, mm. you know, they've had to have multiple heart surgeries and it's not been easy, um, yeah. but they do have their children. So we had every hope that that could be our family too. Yeah. But he was eight months old and um, it just really became clear that he had kind of done his fight and his body was tired. And again, those saturations, his oxygen saturations were just dropping and dropping. Mm. And we had been fighting for eight months at this point to um, find a, you know, a long-term solution for him and a pathway home and pathway to health. Yeah. Um, but that last week it was like, okay, like he, we've done everything. And that's what I told him, you know, I remember holding him, when he was maybe four or five months old and telling him like, Hudson, if there was a solution on Mars, like I would have already bought the rocket ship. <laughs> I, you would know? I would go to Mars for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if there was some other country or some other planet or mm. some other place, you know, it's yeah. the mama's heart of like, I That's would right. do whatever it took to 
So we had done the whole thing. There wasn't anywhere mm-hmm. else to go. There was, yeah. you know, when the smartest people are telling you we've done everything. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so that last week, um, I didn't leave the hospital. We were there around the clock. And again, we're in a, ta- a city we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and family had come in and out um, to see him through that whole time. So the last day, this is where, you know, who you marry really matters. <laughs> um, <laughs> my my, hus- my godly, quiet, much more quiet than me husband um, kind of led me in this. and you know, he was holding Hudson and we both kind of felt a shift in, in Hudson, like almost like it it was, Mm. it was time, you know, he was um, intubated. And so they were kind of waiting for us to say, uh, you know, when we were ready and when you were never ready, you know, but um, he was holding him. And again, my husband, he can be so funny and silly and whatever, but he's typically the quieter one when it comes to talking about things. Yeah. You know, um, he's got this quiet strength to him. He yeah. started singing over Hudson. He started singing, I Surrender All. Um, I can't even hear start. this story, Amy. Yeah, you're making me cry too. Wow. Yeah, Ooh. and today I was singing it to myself Powerful. in the car. And I'm like, I surrender all, all to Jesus. I surrender all. Like, I, I mean, mm. like, who can sing that over their child? And he finished no. it, I Surrender Hudson. And, um, you know, he led the way. Because, again, I'm, this whole time, I'm... Mm sitting there in really the whole diagnosis to losing Hudson was around a year. And I just seized with anger. And I don't know if others around me knew, but it was internally, I was so angry. Like I was sad. I was so sad. Yes. But on top of the sadness was anger. I just was so angry that I couldn't fix it. I couldn't Mm. change it. Mm. And here's my godly husband who he went through many of emotions too but he he led he led the way for me that day of knowing who jesus really is and who Mm. hudson really belonged to wow and um and i really don't think i was able to sing that for a year um about surrendering even though he was already gone um so that day a friend of mine worded this for me um her name is Joan, and she lost her sweet boy at 17 to leukemia, Will. Aww. Aww. She really has modeled for me um, living with such profound loss, um, with a countenance of joy and hope, real suffering, like not being inauthentic and not faking yeah. it really yeah. at all, but just um, living, clinging to Jesus and seeing hope in Him. And I remember her wording this for me. And I know you've walked through your own losses, Aubrey, so you may know some of these same feelings of Hudson was so sick. And again, it was becoming apparent we were going to lose him and that I've started to feel this responsibility of walking Hudson to the veil of heaven. Mm. And again, my friend Joan gave me that language, the veil of heaven. She was like, you walked your son to the veil of heaven and you had to leave him there. Yeah. And I was like, that is exactly how I felt. Like, I was so sad we were losing him. But in the moment, the most overwhelming filming was like, how do I get him from here to Jesus? Like, wow. I know he's going, but like that yeah. responsibility of like, I don't want to leave him alone. Or, right, and it, right. it feels kind of irrational because, of course, the Lord's going to do the work. But as yeah. his mom of an infant, like a baby, 
I felt this like, and Joan said the same over her 17 year old, like mm. I felt the responsibility to usher him to the Lord. Wow. And, um, and leaving him there. And so there's this piece in me of that. He was with me and Corey and then he was right with Jesus. There was yeah. never like a moment that he was alone. Um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So walking him to the veil of heaven. Oof. So we sang, we, I remember saying like, he's, he's gone, he's gone, he's gone. Mm. And I remember feeling like my knees were buckling and like, I felt from like inside of me, like this guttural kind of cry coming. And I remember stopping it and just lifting my hands because I knew if I didn't worship right then that I may not be able to ever do it again. Like, and I also was like, well, I don't know how this spirit world works. Like, is Hudson <laughs> still on his way? Like, is he still somehow <laughs> seeing his mama? And I wanted him to see me worshiping mm, and wow, and not wow. crumbling. I was crumbling, but I wanted, I was doing it for myself because I was choosing to worship in that moment. And at the same time, I wanted him to see me be okay if for some yeah. way he could see me. And we sang yeah. Cornerstone over him one last time. Beautiful. And so it was his first and last song he ever heard. Oh, um, wow. wow. But again, it was like that journey as an established Christian who has been in ministry, like my response was not what I thought it was going to be through it. Um, but that's the kind of the, there's much more to share, you know, yeah. but that's the journey of from diagnosis to him going home to be with Jesus. Yeah. Um, so that's our little huddy. Thank you for sharing that, Amy. Thank you for sharing so vulnerably. I think just mama to mama, you hear you hear any type yeah. of child loss in your heart. Just you know, it's beautiful that Hudson is in the arms of Jesus. As moms, we want our kids in our arms, right? So That's I right. can imagine That's that right. moment was really, really difficult. What I'm struck by hearing you talk, Amy, is although you said you felt a little bit of shame for this when you when you cried out to God in that hospital room, where where is God? And mm. though you were um, almost feeling, it sounds like anyway, a sense of guilt, like about that anger in that moment. Mm. What I'm hearing is a woman so intimately connected with God that mm. she felt the freedom to do that. No, that's true. And so yeah. I, I actually think you have in that moment, you followed in the footsteps of all of God's people who have suffered mm. across generations and have cried out to him in lament saying, where are you? Mm -hmm. And so I actually, um, I, I just, I heard that. I heard that intimacy mm. with the father, not mm. something to be ashamed of, but something to say, mm. no, in that moment, you were the rawest you've ever been. Mm -hmm. And then God showed up. And I think that's, that's what's right. so powerful. And, and I do wonder, Amy, if you're, um, Thinking back on that prayer, where is God? Mm. Obviously, He showed mm. up in that beautiful song. Are there other mm. ways now, as you've had Hudson passed away, and this is mm. 2016, you said, or 2015? Yeah, he was born in 2015 and passed away in 2016. Okay, so he yes. would almost be six now, is that right? Yes, in July. Okay. Yes. Okay, okay, so it's almost his birthday. Yeah. Um, I wonder, just looking back on that question that you cried out to God, how are you answering that now? Where was God and where is God? What is He doing now in your grief and in your heartache? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I still, I still have days where I can, and again, it's like you, you want to be this like godly person, but then 
the anger comes in. And it, it's weird to talk about grief and loss and then also talk about pride um, <laughs> because it's, you know, especially in fresh grief. But I will say like some of my grief journey has included confession hmm. because I really, my anger and my seething was because I felt like how dare God allow yeah. this to happen to me. I've obeyed him and I've walked with him for all these years and are, you know, aren't we in this together kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I've read scripture and I've read missionary stories and autobiographies and biographies that I, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm was not unaware that they're suffering. Right. But when, right. It, when it lands right inside your soul, my response was anger. Um, and so yeah. I would say that God has shown up in forgiveness for me mm. and he's shown up in healing and deliverance and um, his felt presence um, that through his scripture, I would say that his scripture has brought healing and truth. And one of the things that I don't think I realized, and again, like I, my story is specifically around child loss, but yeah, even for those who are listening, that may not be your story, but some of the things you think about yourself and about God may be similar out of your own heartache. Because I, one thing I was not prepared for was the lies that came as a result of being vulnerable. Like my heart Mm. was shattered. Like Hudson went and his heart became whole and mine broke into a million pieces. Mm. And what came from that was a vulnerability I was not really aware was going to come. And the whispers that came about, well, you must not be a very good mom because you can't keep your own child alive. And Mm. you surely could have chosen a different doctor or a different pathway, or you could have, taking care of yourself and maybe his heart wouldn't have developed this way. And again, I would never mm. tell another mom this. Who's of course through not. It, but of I course would, you wouldn't. <laughs> never. But I felt it for myself of like, I could have done something different or God didn't trust me enough to raise a sick child or mm. um, God is cruel and he's no longer good and he's mm. detached and doesn't care. I mean, the lies just came and they were not coming in a rush. They weren't coming in a bold sound. It was very subtle and almost like a whisper. These little lies creeped in about me and about God. And I started living in light of them. And another profound one for me, and again, I feel like this would apply regardless of how your heart ended up in pieces or how your heart got broken, is that I was unlovable. I mean, grief Mm. changes you. It changes who you are in so many ways. And the whispers that came for me is that I'm too damaged. I'm too broken. Mm. I'm no longer the Amy that everyone else did kind of like to be around. Mm -hmm. And now I'm this damaged, heartbroken mom of loss. That's my whole identity. Grief literally has taken residency inside my heart. And this, I'm just unlovable now and I'm ugly now. And and this inside, you know, and just this, um, and even though my friends never, and my family never treated me that way. The message I was receiving is like, I am too broken to be loved or known. Mm. And um, it's unfixable. So this mm. is the new situation I'm in. Mm. So that's where I feel like God kind of came in and said, that's not true. I am yeah. not cruel. I am good. And I'm always 
always, always good. Right. Even when it does your circumstances and your broken heart are telling you otherwise. And isn't it so hard to believe truth when your own shattered heart is telling you a lie? Like, it <laughs> well, is I'm just so... sitting here thinking, man, the enemy is so good at those accusations. Like, just, oh my he gosh. just loves to tell you his opinion about him, about you. And yes. you, it's so subtle that you're like, yes. oh, yeah, those things are true about me. And it is when you're yes. in the middle of grief, it is so hard to step away and get enough perspective to go, wait, mm. no, 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 that's not who God says I am. It is so difficult to do that because you're also dealing with so many other layers of emotion. Totally. And the grief is blinding. And I, 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 I don't want to say joked because it's not a joke, but I sort of say when other people ask me about my journey through loss that that first year is like living underwater and if you've ever like like you've been like you dive in the pool and you're under the water and someone's trying to talk to you and you you can hear them but you can't make out the words you know it's yeah. like it's like it's almost like charlie brown's teacher the wah wah wah, wah, wah <laughs> yeah, you know right, right that's sort of how i felt like i was living for really a year of like, mm. I was living my life. I was doing them. I was working some and I was being a mom and wife and all the things that I had to do, but I was living kind of underwater and I didn't realize under there, I was really developing a new worldview and a way of thinking that was affecting how I was living out my life. And the, and it changed it could have changed the trajectory of my life in a way that's not healthy. And I remember one of the things I really love about nothing is wasted in this ministry. I think Davey gave me the language for this is that I honestly, for a while, I was derailed. I think it's the language he uses is like, yeah. you kind of walk through something so profound, loss, abuse, grief, you know, trauma, divorce, infertility, miscarriage, the list goes on. Mm -hmm. Whatever the thing that has crashed into your life today you, it can, even if you maybe aren't in full-time ministry, but you love your church and you love, this is how you live out the gospel in your life. And now this pain kind of crashes in. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was derailed. Like that, that language helped me so much because yeah. I, again, had to wrestle through all that anger, living under that water, buried under grief for everything like paying my mortgage felt too hard, you know, like taking mm. a shower felt too hard, like everything right. felt too hard. Um, right. And so um, I wrote this blog a number of years ago that, I mean, I just was kind of sharing my heart um, and it's called a, a ministry I never wanted. Mm. And I feel like that's typically how God does things. He uses our painful stories to bring healing to others you know, and in yeah. that brings healing to yourself. And it yeah. I think it was read, but it's probably the most read. I don't blog that much, but it was one of those things to where I feel like people read it because they're like, yeah, this is how my life has turned out. That like God has given me a ministry I never wanted. And that's kind of how mm. I feel like God has in my own wrestling through these lies and replacing them with truth. Um, he has given me a ministry with families who have lost children. And wow. it's certainly not a club I ever wanted to be in or be familiar with. And it's certainly right. not a ministry I signed up to do. It's not, right. it's right. not anything I ever wanted to deal with. Or, or, But now I'm so honored to be there. Mm. And I will say the reason I can be there is because of the work of God in me through His Word um, that actively taking the lies that I am not enough and I'm 
forever damaged and can never be healed. And um, that I'm marked by my grief and all of those things that they are true to an extent. Like I am going to always be Hudson's mom. I am always going to have that story, um, but I am not defined by it. And grief is not all of who I am. That I am now willing to step in with other families and specifically a lot of times it's moms down in that pit of despair, like my friend Joan did, like my friend September did for me and say, this is the way out of this pit of despair. Mm -hmm. This is the way out. This is the first step towards intentional healing. Yeah. Um, So there's just such a big message for families who have lost a child that one, I think there's, I don't believe this, but there's a message that it's the worst thing that any person could go through. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think it's a marker. I keep using the word profound because because it is profound. It's like Hudson hadn't even passed away. And I remember crying about two things that if we lost him, one, I was crying about my two-year-old, Graham was two. And I remember crying about his wedding, that we would be missing a groomsman at his wedding. That Mm. can still make me cry. Um, And I cried about my own obituary, that my Mm. own obituary will say preceded in death by her son, Hudson. And like, It's yeah. profound. This loss will follow me my whole life. It will follow right. me my entire right. life. Every time, you know, I look in my back seat and there's a child missing or fill up the bathtub with kids and they, you know, he's not there. Mm-hmm. Christmas morning, he's not there. Yeah. yeah. Um, Halloween. It, I mean, I don't know if you do Halloween, but like that, I, that's yeah, what I think about yes. sometimes the costume that you didn't get to buy. Yes. What might he have worn? Yes. Or like the, um, I always think about like, he might be playing soccer and like all the friendships, like all the friendships I have because of Graham being seven and his Sunday school friends and his Sunday school teacher. And like all of that I'm missing for my almost six year old, like those relationships that come through your children. And um, my daughter-in-law that I won't have, or my grandchildren, I won't have. It's the, it's that it follows you for forever. And again, I feel like um, even knowing a little of your story, Aubrey, it's like, some of the traumas and pains that happened years ago, they can follow us for years to come. And I think yes. that's why the lies can really um, be so powerful because the impact of the trauma or the grief is, is lifelong. It's lifelong. Yeah. Yeah, it has such residual effects and different seasons mm-hmm. of life bring up new things and you think yes. you're sort of like, quote unquote, over it. And then you're like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, that piece is still there that the Lord has to heal. And it's like, yes, you keep layers. having to bring it back to God again and again and again. And again. God is doing big things in and through Nothing Is Wasted Ministries this year. One of these things I've been itching to announce, but couldn't until now, is the release of the Pain to Purpose 42-Day Devotional. These devotions are the daily entries I wish that I had available to me along my healing journey. Each entry is designed to give you hope and practical help as you partner with God to take back your story. It'd be great for you or for anyone in your life who is struggling through a difficult season. The devotional is releasing July 22nd, but we want to extend to you a special offer of 20% off if you pre-order the devotional before July 22nd. If you pre-order now, the devotional will show up on your doorstep on July 22nd, and you'll gain immediate access to all our exclusive pre-order bonuses, including the first 21 days sent to your inbox, along with five-minute video teaching of each entry from me. 
To pre-order the devotional and check out all the bonuses, go to paintopurposedevo.com and use the code PODCAST for 20% off the devotional just for being a Nothing Is Wasted podcast listener. Again, that's paintopurposedevo.com and use that code PODCAST for 20% off. Amy, something that you said was that you have been really, (laughs) this gift you never wanted, right? This ministry you never wanted of being able to now walk with mamas who have gone through their own journey of, of child loss. And I would just love to hear now how you're helping other people um, because of what the Lord has brought you through. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's crazy how, again, like I'm so thankful and also like, heartbroken every time um, someone reaches out to me. It happened two days ago. Um, It Mm. happened through Facebook or a text message or a friend of a friend saying, my friend's child's in the hospital. It looks like they're not going to make it. What do I say? What do I do Mm. for them? How can I be helpful? Um, It's small things like that, that I can just send a text message back and say, here are a few things that helped us. Hope it helps them. All the way to, I just recently, and hopefully it will be out this year, wrote a devotional. And it started as a memoir. Like I just, honestly, it was the swirling details of everything I've been sharing today with you and all all the many more stories that came out of Hudson's life and, yeah. and navigating and wrestling with God through all of that. Um, I started writing it down and it kind of, again, started as a little bit of a memoir and I would get stuck. And my background being in women's ministry and um, leading small groups and discipleship groups, as soon as I shifted my mindset and made it into more of a study guide or a um, devotional type resource, it literally poured out of me. Wow. Um, so I, I created this devotional that, again, I, I'm hoping that I'm working with an editor and designer and all that. I think it should be ready this year. Um, By the so way, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you yes. and say, I have had a yes. chance to read um, a lot of it and it is yeah. beautiful. We will definitely Thank spread you, the word Aubrey. when that comes out to our listeners because people need it in their hands. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Aubrey, you're so sweet to say that. And thank you for championing it because it's one of those things that I, I do feel excited for people to get their hands on it. Not because I poured over it, put my heart and soul and I vulnerably share our story. That's there. Of course, it's, I'm, I'm invested in it. But I also, it is, it really is. It's 30 devotions where I share some of our stories that we went through. I put scripture in there specifically because I want us to actively take those lies that we are believing out of our vulnerable, broken hearts and lay them down and pick up the truth from God's word. And I believe that walking through each of these 30 devotions will allow the reader to do that. And I give space in there to, there's questions. And I wrote it in such a way that it could be done in a group. Like it could be like what, you know, two people get together and do it or a Mm -hmm. small group could do it Mm because those same questions could be like a discussion guide. There's a leader guide. So it's like kind of completely like packaged that way. Again, because that's my mindset with being in women's ministry and sitting down with a group of, um, and it doesn't have to be women. It could be, you know, whatever your your you know men or women, um, and whatever the group setting. But the the name of the devotional is Wholehearted Truth, a devotional for a heart in pieces, because Mm -hmm. I really am excited about watching God put those pieces back together. And the wholehearted is a wink to my Hudson, who God gave half a heart, and now he is completely whole. And um, though my heart was broken, God is actively rebuilding my heart 
as I lay yeah. down these lies and, and that you said it too, Aubrey, you literally said one of the devotionals is about the act of, if someone said, are you healed? If someone said that to me as a Christian, I want to be like, yes, Jesus has done it all. He paid the price. He was <laughs> right. broken. I am healed. Um, but right. the reality of living that out is actually yes and not yet. You know, like, yeah. yes, I am yeah. healed. Yes, Jesus was broken and I am, my heart has been restored, but I'm living in this broken world that has all these triggers of pain. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. my role in that is that I run back to the cross. I run back to the Savior and I go back to his word and his word binds up those wounds and prepares it for healing again. It's kind of an right. on going journey. I wish it was a one and done and like, I'm never going to ache and weep over my son again, but that's just not true. And even some of the other heartaches that our family has walked through that, you know, I'm not necessarily talking about today. It's like, it, there's still those triggers and those painful things that come that you're like, okay, Lord, I need you again. I mean, you, you know, it's like, yep. wake up and take up your cross and run to him again and say, Jesus, we need that healing space again. So I just am excited about the devotional because one, I've been working on it for a couple years and I'm just ready for it to be. And the designer has done a beautiful job. I'm just, it's going to be one of those things that I hope as a keepsake, as the person, the reader goes through it, mm. they can read God's word. They can see kind of an example of a vulnerable story that I share. They can have these questions that they can like be prompted by and yeah. write and they can put their own story in there. And then like when those lies that we know Aubrey are coming back for us, they're yep, going to creep back yep. in. They can go be like, oh, wait, I'm going to go pull out that devotional, that wholehearted truth devotional and reread my own words that mm. I laid down those lies. They aren't coming for me anymore. That's so right. that's one space that I've just really poured my heart and soul into and feel so excited to get out. And that was burst out of um, a retreat that um, several moms and I put together in fall of 2019. And obviously with COVID like affected everyone else, it affected us as well that we weren't able to host one for 2020. And so we are currently looking ahead for spring of 2022, which is weird to even say that year. <laughs> it feels far away, but <laughs> right. It's going to come fast. Yeah, it is. But we, you, the, the retreat is for, is specifically for moms. I do care about the dads who walked through a similar of story course. as us, but um, this we specifically, just because it's my own story, um, we invite moms who've gone through miscarriage or um, child loss to um, spend a sacred weekend and hear from other moms and share your story. And if you want to, you don't have to, there's no pressure. You can do which sessions mean the most for you. And if you want to meet with God and worship, you can, but you don't have to. And, you know, if you're coming from a faith background, that's different. Like we had that on our last retreat, people from all over the country, I'm with 35 moms there. I mean, it was just that's unbelievable amazing. to see for it to be the first time. And um, so we're excited to host it again, because we know that God, um, he showed up last time. I know he's going to show up again. And, and these women did this exactly what we're talking about today. Of They took their lies. They stood up. They said them again, if they chose to do that. They wrote them down and threw them in a fire. And they did that on their own choice. Like that wasn't even part of the program, but they wow. took these papers and threw them right to the bonfire. We were just out having marshmallows and they were like, that's it. We're throwing these things out. And wow. and it was just something God showed up and did. So that's one place. So powerful. And, yeah, so that it's it's one of those things again. Like I never wanted ministry like this, and no one does. No, you know, it's like yeah. um, I know for you and your your story of like speaking out against abuse and mm -hmm. taking advantage of others. Like, no, you didn't want that story, but look what God's done through your yeah. writing and through your speaking. And yeah. so I'm right there with you, Aubrey. Like, if we could 
have these stories that weren't so broken, like we would take them, right? Like I would take my son over <laughs> anything. Like I would of take my son and like ri- and raise him. Like there's nothing that can be good enough for a broken mama's heart to yeah. replace having my son with me. But as again, my friend Joan that I keep talking about told me, she's like, but this is the story God's given me. So God use it, you know, and yeah. that's why I'm here today. Like God use those tears I've cried on multiple hospital floors, dirty floors, you know, weeping over mm-hmm. my son and sitting around a table telling us there's not hope for him and like just literally about to vomit and weep. You know, it's like that's where I've been yeah. and I still have days where those those tears come. Um, but just to know that like listener, you're not alone. Like you aren't alone. Whatever your heartache is, you aren't alone and the Lord that's sees right. you and he loves you and that's he's right. for you and your story's not over. Yeah, so, that's right, Amy. Um, yeah. Amy, well, we have been so thrilled to talk with you. I feel like we could talk for another several hours. Yeah. So we'll have to have you back at some point. Can you um, just tell our listeners quickly where they can connect with you, where they can find about your devotion and even the retreats for moms who are listening or maybe friends who are walking with mamas who have lost little ones or children of any ages, really? How can they yes. find all things Amy Sylvester and the ministry that you're doing? Yeah. So the, I would say there's two great spots for that. Um, one is just amysylvester.com. And then, um, I do share photos of our kiddos and our story through adoption and, um, encouragement for those of you who are working, walking through heartache, whatever your story is, you may have a different, um, painful point in your point in your life, but I do try to encourage folks there, um, on Instagram. It's just Amy A. Sylvester. And Aubrey, if it's okay, I just want to do a little personal invitation. Please um, do. Yep. I, I have three invitations. Um, one is that if you would say that now or in the past, you've ever described that your heart's been broken or your heart's been in pieces. Like I specifically wrote Wholehearted Truth, a devotional for a heart in pieces for you. And like one of the things I say, loss, grief, infertility, divorce, disappointment, abuse, betrayal, loneliness, miscarriage, sickness, trauma, suffering, they do not have the last say over your life. And God is the one who has the last say. And your story is your healing and your story aren't just for you. It's for others. And that's where I'm just so um, excited to have others connect. Um, I'd love to connect with you um, over your story. And so your healing is not just for you. And just praying that you would not be derailed um, in your own pain. So I would say connect with me. Um, if you want to know more about the devotional is the best way you can find me on Instagram, or you can come to that website and sign up because as soon as I know the devotional will be ready, we're going to be doing some giveaways and you might even get one of Aubrey's books during the giveaway. (gasps) Yes. And it's signed. So, um, I would love to invite you to come along for that when the book is ready, the devotional is ready. And that, and if you're a ministry leader or you're just someone in a neighborhood and you want to look, do something with a friend or a neighbor, um, it's a great resource. There will be a great resource when it's ready. So you can sign up there. And again, as soon as it's ready, I'll shoot out an email. Promise I won't spam you. I don't use, I don't do a lot of blogging. (laughs) Um, And then um, the second invitation is specifically to you mamas who are listening, who have gone through child loss or miscarriage, or maybe you you are even just struggling with infertility um, and you want a child so badly. I just want to invite you to, will you just come find me on Instagram or um, sign up again on that, on that um, Amy Sylvester.com because this invitation is for you directly. And if you're listening and that's not you, I bet someone's name popped in your mind to share 
this invitation with because we are in the midst of planning the retreat and we do have scholarships available. Don't let that hold you back. And again, we had moms from all over the country um, last time come and join us. And I, I just, I know how hard it is to make that decision. It's such a brave decision. So please come and um, just interact with us and hopefully you'll make the brave choice of joining us. And my very last invitation is for anyone out there who's interested in adoption. We didn't get to talk about adoption much today, but it has so blessed our family and it's broken and messy and so hard. But I love talking all things adoption. So I'd love to connect with anyone with questions around that um, just because it's been such a huge blessing to our family. Two babies in 15 months. So um, that's, that's amazing, Amy. We'll definitely have to have you back to talk about yeah. adoption. Well, we yeah. have so appreciated your time, Amy. I've loved talking with you. You've been such a blessing. And I know our listeners are very encouraged by what they just heard. So thanks, thanks so much. Aubrey. Thank you to Davey and Christy and the whole Nothing is Wasted family. And to you, Aubrey. <laughs> Aubrey, wow. Right? Man, what a phenomenal conversation. Ugh. Yeah. It was hard for me just to like sit on the other side of that and not bawl my eyes out like I wanted to pause. It yeah. felt so holy yeah. in so many times. Sometimes yeah. we have those conversations, guys, where it does just feel very sacred and holy. I mean, they all mm -hmm. are, but there are some they that particularly are. it feels like the Holy Spirit steps into and you're like, Ooh, this is a sacred moment. This is a healing yeah. moment right here, even in this conversation, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I just thinking about, as you guys were talking about this, I, I cannot, I cannot fathom, you know, her husband singing, I surrender mm -hmm. all over their baby as mm -hmm. they are releasing, um, you know, the baby back yeah. to the Lord. And it's just, yeah. It, and it reminds me of this co this concept that really we, we should all be aware of as parents. And we should all be aware of, no, no matter what, that everything, every person in our life, everything that is in our life, anything that we quote unquote possess, we don't really possess, right? Mm, it's, right. it's a gift that God has stewarded to us. Yeah. And those stewardship seasons are, are just that. They are always a season. I remember specifically um, a season before Amanda was killed that she was wrestling with this idea. Um, I think she had read first Samuel chapter one, where Hannah was giving mm -hmm. Samuel over to the Lord and God really right. particularly impressed upon her. You need to give Weston over to me. Whoa. And, wow. And you need to, you need to surrender him. And, and I, you know, now looking back on it, it's like, wow, the heaviness of that, knowing that mm -hmm. and 15 months old that she, she literally yeah. would like now he's yeah. being raised by somebody else, you know, but right. Christy and well, initially it was by several caregivers and now wow. he has a new mom. And so there was a heaviness there, but I think in that moment, as we were wrestling with that together, as she was sharing that with me, she even wrote um, a sign up above Weston's crib that said for the rest of his days, he'll be given over to the Lord, which is from first Samuel one. And wow. uh, that was just a wrestling of, Hey, parenting is stewardship. Yeah. One day, we're going to, we're, we're stewarding this season. And then one day we're, we're releasing them back into uh, the world and releasing them to the Lord. And we can't control this 
at all. For some reason, that has been one of the hardest surrenderings for me. I feel like I could surrender my marriage to the mm. Lord. I can surrender my like my future to the Lord. I can surrender my my material possessions. Yeah. But when it comes to my kids, I, because you know, as a parent, you love yeah. your kids so like instinctually, like yeah. it's hard to even put words. And so to surrender. My, my kids to God, I'm like, okay, Lord, I I know you love them more than I do. I know, in fact, they are in better care, but it feels like a big act of faith to go, okay, I mean, because it doesn't mean your hands off as a parent, but really there is that emotional like, okay, Lord, this child is actually yours. You have entrusted me with this season, but even the days that I have with them Uh are yours. And the amount of days, and and I I do find that there are big ways we surrender our kids to God and then little ways, like even as, I mean, this may sound funny, but my oldest is almost 15. So he wants to, of course, go ride his bike with his friends and Mm. go to the dollar store or, you know, go hang out and do whatever out of my purview and now that i'm a teenage mom that's a new surrendering to me too like okay god he's he's out of the neighborhood riding his bike that feels scary to me like my mom instinct wants to follow him around absolutely but that's not surrendering him that's not good parenting i need to like release him into god's care so these are lessons i feel like are big and traumatic but also Mm. just daily we continue to Give our kids back to the God yep. who loves them. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It feels like it's a daily thing. It feels like every season that our kids step into, new age, you know, it's like there's a new surrender that has yes. to happen. You know, right now yeah. we tuck all of our kids in bed, but I was thinking about as we were sitting in the living room after the kids were safely tucked into bed, I was like, there's going to be a season where, Chris, we're going to be up at night waiting for our kids to come home. Right. And like that was, it was just an unnerving thought to me yeah. about how anxious or worried I, I would be about that. But it is, there's this, this act of surrender over and over and over that we have to, we have to continually step into. And, um, and this is part of our sanctification. That's right. Right. This whole right. parenting thing is helping us to grow closer to the Lord, become more yeah. dependent on the Lord. Yes. Increasing our trust in God and, in, and, and, trusting that he has their days planned out before they were even born. Like the psalmist says that that their days were planned out as much as our days were. Yeah. What I loved too, you, you, you stepped in and you kind of pastored in a moment there in this conversation where, um, you know, Amy talked a little bit about how she felt like she didn't, she had lost her faith or she was faithless or not faithful by, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by, you know, being enraged at God at this. And, right. and that's the that's the mindset that a lot of people have in these moments where they don't think they can take their true, raw, authentic feelings to God. And right. I know one of the things that you love to talk about, Aubrey, you wrote a whole book on this idea is lament. Right. Um, unpack that for us a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what Amy was doing in that moment, in her rage, in her crying out, in her screaming at God, though I think she felt like it was unfaithful, she's actually really joining in, um, you know, the history of sufferers throughout scripture and throughout time across the globe that have poured their hearts out to God in anger, in doubt, in frustration. And what we find is that our God invites us to do that. What we find is that our God actually gives us biblical language to do that. What we find is that that's not actually faithless, that is faithful because you're taking your pain to the only one who can actually do something about it rather than running away rather than like 
you know, ignoring him, you're mm-hmm. saying, I am so intimate. I am so intimate with you, God, that you're going to get all of me right now. Yep. And the Lord will bless you for that. Yes. That's actually like a beautiful thing about our relationship with our good father. Yes. Yes. I love that. It's faithful to do that. And it's faith increasing to do that. Your faith That's only right. increases in these moments of tragedy by doing that, by running to the Lord, giving him every single ounce of the depth of your emotion about all yep. of this. And and then God, that's the portal to healing right there. We talk about there that in the Pain to Purpose course. That's the very first episode after the intro. The very first way, waypoint is to befriend your emotions and start to recognize that mm. this is not a bad thing that you have been given these emotions and God can handle these. This is actually the portal. The first step into healing is to bring these emotions to him. And so, you know, we would love to help you on that journey in any way that we possibly That's can. Right. You can go to nothingiswasted.com and there's so many resources uh, that we have available to you right there. Uh, you can check out the pain to purpose course. If you want to begin a journey of going from pain to finding your purpose out of your pain, you can hire one of our certified guides, join a community group. All of that's at nothingiswasted.com. We also have available to pre-order the pain to purpose devotional. Right Very there. excited about that, Davey. 42 day journey. And essentially these are the entries that I wish I had had when I lost my wife. Every single day, I wish I had had something to read just like this. And so we decided to put this down for you for any kind of trauma tragedy or major life transition that you're going through, or to be able to give your friends. In fact, over the next few Mondays, hopefully you listen to this past Monday, we're releasing the first four days of the audiobook of that. And so you'll get the entire reading of the first four days of the 42 days. And if you pre-order the book before, before July 22nd, you get the entire audiobook. After July 22nd, so awesome. you have to purchase the audiobook as an addendum, but before if you pre-order it, we'll give you the entire thing so you can listen to it. If you enjoy listening to podcasts or you want to just go take walks, you'd rather listen to um, yeah. these concepts and these insights as opposed to reading them. We want to make that available to you. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. You can find his music wherever you find your music. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nothing is Wasted Ministries, at Davey Blackburn, and at Ob Samp. And next week, we're joined by Paul A.C. He's going to talk to us about his journey with depression, anxiety, and more. It's going to be a really powerful episode. So let's go ahead and take a listen to a little bit of your conversation with Paul A.C. We moved from from Taos, New Mexico, to to Colorado Springs, Colorado, and that does not sound very traumatic on the surface because mm. you know everybody moves. So lots of kids move around every year, um, yeah. but I was a very shy, very quiet kid. Um, I I really was attached to the few friends that I had, and I didn't really have the confidence to make new ones very easily because I was so lost. The the kids were not particularly friendly to me. Um, I remember riding home from on the bus one day, and and some kids just thought it would be fun to pretend to spit in my hair, and I felt just so uh, humiliated by the yeah. experience and so shamed. And and I think that that those childhood experiences, even if they're not that unusual, so many people hold on to those. Right. For for years, even decades later, you know, even right. even me thinking about it now, it's it's decades later, and I still feel the pain of that moment. <laughs> 